you know, one thing people make the mistake of, they're too short-sighted. They're not looking down the road. And there's a myth out there that I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket when I retire. Um, we don't know that, but are you planning to retire at less of a standard of living than you have now? Don't you at least want to be equal? You know, and when you have 365 days a year to spend the money because you're on a permanent vacation for 30 years, maybe, um, you know, you got a lot of time to do stuff and spend money. This is Better Wealth with Caleb Williams. All right, Jim, welcome to the Better Wealth Show. Hey, pleased to be here. All right, so I'm just going to open up with this. You've been doing this a lot longer than I've been alive. You have almost every designation there is. You have a very popular uh, Real Wealth weekly podcast that goes out to a lot of financial advisors. So you're very much known as one of the thought leaders in our space. I've had the pleasure of staying at your house, going to a Packer game, and um, just just uh, really growing with your company because I just love what you guys are doing. You have an incredible daughter who um, does so many things. And quite frankly, I think she's one of the real reasons why you guys are so successful. And so thank you so much for taking time being on the show. What I would love to do is get a little bit of your backstory, but then I wanna jump into current events. And I think it's very much looking like Joe Biden is going to be the next president of the United States. And so I wanna talk about like, what does that look like? It, if that's the case, which is very much looking that way, what does that look like for people as it relates to what their like taxes and and the future of the markets and and future in the financial planning world and so that's what would be a a real cool cool benefit from having you on the show and I, I opened up before we started recording we could literally talk about everything um, because you know so much in this space so again thank you so much for being on the show oh thanks for having me Caleb and. Uh... Just to give uh, your listeners a little bit of background, I I've, have been in the business, as he said, for longer than he's been alive, so it makes me feel pretty ancient. <laughs> um, but Caleb is uh, you know, one of the young, up-and-coming superstars in the business. I have not met too many young people, not only with his energy, um, but his thirst for knowledge, so he's a quick learner. But at any rate, my background is I've been in this business for about 35 years. And uh, early on, I made it a goal um, to be the best I can be. And I see myself as an educator, not someone who's selling insurance or selling investments. You know, it's really important that people um, have the tools available to them and they want to work with a team of professionals, maybe not just an insurance agent or just an investment person, but also the CPA, the attorney making sure everything's in alignment. And I think too many people do that in a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. We just, I was actually just doing a podcast episode with Jeremy or one of our head wealth coaches. And he talked about the difference between doing financial planning in a vacuum versus not. And it's crazy. If you don't see the whole picture, um, I bet you could tell a lot of stories of just disasters that maybe sounded good at the time. But when you start zooming out, it's like, that's an awful idea. Oh, absolutely. Think of it like a waterbed. You push on one end, it's going to ripple on the other. And if you're not anticipating those those reactions, uh, you you don't always get the best result. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a lot of our, you know, what we do for clients, yeah, we look in the past, but we have to anticipate the future as well and put ourselves in the best position to deal with whatever happens. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, having me comment on current current events, you know, it looks like we're going to have a change of administration. Uh, now, everybody can have their own opinions as whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, it doesn't stop people for, for the need of planning. I know a lot of people that might have been Trump supporters look at like it, like the world is crashing and oh, my God. And, you know, I mean, and and the Democrats obviously thought the world was crashing when when Trump got in. Uh, the thing is, I think most of us still have roofs over our head. We're, we're still able to put food on the table. Um, you know, the president at the end of the day, while he guides things, um, doesn't have as much of an impact as the press would lead us to believe. Um, he's the leader of the country. He sets policy. 
Um, but because we have a Congress and we have states and things like that, you know, president normally isn't able to do too much or swing things too far one way or the other. And that's the brilliance of our forefathers putting those safeguards into place. So the one area that I think people need to be aware of is, you know, what, what has already been said, what's already been published, and what, what can we do to uh, keep ourselves in the best position? Um, so one thing is when we look at income taxes, that's probably the biggest issue that faces most Americans and has the most impact on what you're going to have in retirement. You know, um, a lot of people look, I, I need to get the best return, the best return, the best return. Well, when I look at investments, most of them are a commodity. And what I mean by that, everybody's got the best things in sliced bread. But at the end of the day, you peel the onion back and most of them end up pretty close to the same spot. They all have their days in the spotlight, but it's a competitive world. And if you're not competitive, you will not be in business. So the thing is, you can't control what the market's going to do, but what can you control? You always hear a lot of experts talk about control the controllables. Well, income tax is something you can kind of control um, if you do proper planning. And, you know, I saw Joe Biden's tax proposal when he was one of the people running for the Democratic nomination. And in that proposal, I will tell you of all the Democrats, Joe Biden had the least um, proposed tax increase. They all proposed tax increases, but Biden's was the least. So that's that's the good news. Uh, if we have a Democrat in office. Now, even if he does not get into office with all the contention that's going on, Trump passed a tax cut that expires. It's a temporary tax cut and it goes up in 2026. So I think one thing all Americans can agree on, taxes are going to go up. And if you don't believe that, go to usdebtclock.org and see how how much our bills are that we have to pay and we're not even covering the cost of our bills. We keep borrowing more and more money. Well, sometime we're going to have to pay the piper. And, you know, that's going to come in the form of taxes. And a lot of people think, well, we'll just tax the rich. Unfortunately, there's not enough rich and they don't have enough money to cover the debt. When you talk about people like Bill Gates, you know, he's worth $100 billion and change. Uh, maybe a little bit less with what he's given away. You look at uh, um, Jeff Bezos of Amazon. You know, he's worth maybe, well, he got divorced, but he was approaching maybe 150, 170 billion. Our debt is counted in trillions. Our yeah. unfunded liabilities of Medicare and Social Security, that isn't even counted in our debt. You start adding that stuff, you're north of $100 trillion. You, we don't have enough Bezos and Gates around to cover that debt. They have to cover that debt with everybody's money. Yeah. So the thing you got to look at right now, most Americans, and I would guess most people listening to your program, are mom and pop. You know, they might have a small business. They might be working for somebody. They're working hard, trying to save. But when you look at people like that, the majority of their taxes are taxed in what is now the 12% rate. And what most people need to understand is the way the taxes go. And, and, and most of the tax software I've seen, you know, with, the, with when people bring in their tax returns for review, you know, they might have a summary and it talks about their effective rate of 11.6% or 13.2%. That's the most misleading number that there is. All that is is taking the facts and telling people, here's your, your average tax that you paid. Yeah. That, you can't plan with that. No. So the, the thing to understand is how our rates work. So you have the first couple bucks you make, there's zero tax. The next couple of bucks you make, it's 10%. The next couple of bucks you make, and it's actually a pretty steep step, it's at 12%. Well, we're scheduled to go to back to 15 without any change of administration, that's a 25% increase in the taxes that you're paying in that bracket. So mm. for example, if you're paying four or five grand in taxes, you had 25% on four grand, that's a thousand bucks or 1,250 if it's 5,000. That's some pretty serious money. That might be your electric bill for the year. Yeah. Now you gotta work a little bit harder to get it. Now under Biden, 
he wants to go to 16%. Okay, that's a 33% increase. Now, his written tax proposal that he had that came out back in December or January, I forget when it came out, I saw it in January, um, you know, shows every tax bracket, you know, all those tax brackets where people are paying all their taxes at, would, would go up significantly from what it is today and more so than what it's already scheduled to go up. Well, if we look at that stuff, that's gonna have an impact on average everyday Americans. And if all you do is blindly without any strategy whatsoever, when you save your money, you don't even consider taxes or maybe you do and you say, oh, you know what? I'm gonna take the deduction today. Well, yeah. does it make sense to deduct at 12%? and then pay it back at 16. No. So what people really have to look at is number one, you know, where are they putting their money? You know, people talk about investments, how important it is to diversify, yet nobody's diversifying how things will be taxed. And <laughs> I'll, I'll just wrap up with this to make the point, really bring the point home. I heard this analogy recently, and I am repeating it again and again, and I've incorporated it with every client meeting that I have. So here it is. Imagine you're gonna buy a house. Now, Caleb, I know you just bought your house recently. Did you pay cash for it or did you use a mortgage? Uh, a mortgage. Okay. When they're giving money away at the low interest rates, in my opinion, that's about the smartest thing you could do. Even if you have the cash to pay cash for it, you know, and that's a whole nother discussion for another day, but that's a smart thing to do. Now, when you went to get the mortgage, Caleb, did the bank, obviously you're in the house, they agreed to give you the mortgage, right? That's correct. Do you have terms for that mortgage? Yes. Okay, so you have a, an interest rate over a period of time and you have a period of time to pay it back, right? That's correct. Yeah, that seems obvious. That's every mortgage, right? Well, let's say your mortgage was done the way taxes are, yeah. okay? So here's, here's how that works. You go to the bank, they said, oh yeah, no problem. We're gonna loan you the money. And, uh, as Matt, and and then you say, well, what are the terms? You know, And they said, you know, Caleb, don't worry about it. We don't need any money right now. You know what, we'll give you a call when we need the money and then we'll decide how much we need and we'll figure out what the interest rate is and how quickly you need to pay us back. How many mortgages would you do like that? I, would, I, would do, I wouldn't do any of those. It okay. would be too risky. But isn't, isn't that what taxes are? Yep. are? Isn't it when you go to make a deposit in your retirement account and they give you a deduction, you save a little bit of money now? Do, they, do you have a contractual guarantee with the IRS that they'll agree to only charge this much on the way out or that much? No, it's wide open. And if yep. you look at the average of the top tax rate, it's over yep. 50%. Right now we're at 37 when we had the highest tax rates, they were 94%. Now, people look at those top tax breaks a lot of time, and, and yours and my average client will never be in the top tax bracket. So they say, you know, that's only for the rich. Well, let's talk about what the bottom bracket was when we had those high top tax brackets. So right now, the lowest tax bracket starts at 10 well, back when we had the 94% rate after World War II, um, it was double that. So if they're in a, you know, let's say what's been a 15% bracket forever, except for the short reprieve where we're at 12, let's say that 15% bracket becomes 30. The next bracket up from that that we're scheduled to go back to is 25. Well, now we're at 50 for yeah. a rate that even some of our clients are, uh, and a lot of our clients are getting into those brackets. So we deduct at 12 and we take out at 50. That means you have to take out twice as much yeah. money as you need. So people really have to look at how do they diversify their taxes? What tools are out there? And there, there's a number of tools where they can really plan. Yeah, so uh, there's a lot, lot there. Love it. I love the analogy with the the bank, and it's like we would never, we would never get into business with a business partner that had eighty trillion dollars in debt, could change their equity state at any time, and like we would never do that. And yet, I would say anyone that does a qualified plan is essentially doing doing that because you're getting in business with an entity that could potentially change the rules. And and when people when I say that. Some people go like, Caleb, like, that's crazy. Like, why would you say something like that? 
just just look at what we have going on. That's all I'll say. Look at some of the people that ran uh, ran for president and didn't get elected. Just look what some of their policies were. Like it's oh, yeah. not. It's look at look at where other countries are at. Like we're not. I think if we use our brain, we're going to realize that there's a trend, and it's not it's not going towards lowering taxes. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. So I also want to say this. I love the analogy of diversification and diversifying as it relates to taxes. Can you walk us through like the different the different buckets and like the different common like you know there's taxable there's tax deferred there's tax free and and what how you highlight that because when when someone you know comes to you and says all right give me a little lesson on like regardless of what happens um, if taxes are going up like where how can I start diversifying my money as it relates to taxes and what are some of the buckets to look at. Sure. So you, you know, one thing people make the mistake of, they're too short-sighted. They're not looking down the road. And there's a myth out there that I'm going to be in a lower tax bracket when I retire. Um, we don't know that, but are you planning to retire at less of a standard of living than you have now? Don't you at least want to be equal? You know, and when you have 365 days a year to spend the money because you're on a permanent vacation for 30 years, maybe, um, you know, you got a lot of time to do stuff and spend money. So I would argue a lot of people should be planning on having more money in retirement, not less. Yeah. So when we, when Caleb talks about the different buckets, you know, there's, as he mentioned, there's tax free. Okay. And there's a couple ways you can do tax free. Now I'm not one, I don't want anybody to misconstrue. I'm a huge fan of IRAs. I'm a huge fan of 401ks and with a little bit of strategy, you know, I find, first of all, I find most people put it all in one or all in the other. Yeah. And most people are not optimizing. So one thing is you might even split it. There might be up to a certain point, it might be worth to take the deduction because let's say you have $10,000 in the next higher bracket. Maybe there's a real good chance you will be in a lower bracket when you draw out because you're close to retirement. Well, then it makes sense to deduct it at that high rate. So when you take it out, it's at a low rate. But we also have Roth retirement accounts. And one of the benefits of these retirement accounts is in the every state of the union, 401ks are 100% creditor protected. Um, depending on what state you live in, IRAs have all different uh, levels of credit creditor protection. And that's something you should talk to your advisor about what it is in the state that you're in. So, so on a tax deferred basis, that's the traditional uh, retirement account where you're getting the deduction today. You don't pay any taxes till you pull it out, but then it's all taxable later. Yeah. Well, then there's also another tax deferred bucket that Congress has provided for us. And that's in the form of annuities. Annuities are um, what, what every pension is an annuity. Um, mm -hmm. It's a form of an annuity. And I think a lot of people make the mistake of hearing one type of annuity getting hammered and they think all annuities are bad. Yeah. All annuities can be good and all annuities can be bad. What's yeah. important is you're doing the right tool for the job. Exactly. So, you know, if, if you, if you need to have a tooth out, you don't go to a plumber and have them use a wrench, right? A right. pipe wrench to take the tooth out. While it will work, it may not be the best way of dealing with that. Yeah. So analogy. you want to, yeah. So you want to have the right tool. So annuities are a way to have tax deferral. One of the big advantages of annuities, if you go into a variable annuity versus a mutual fund, um, you can move money around and you don't have to pay taxes every time you do it. So you got a little bit more tax control. And I tell people, it's like putting a faucet on, um, you know, instead of having, having your water just run all day long, you turn it on when you need it, you turn it off when you don't. So you have some tax control there but it also can be a big tax trap. So you need to be in the right frame of mind and have the right strategy based on your unique situation. Um, you also have kind of tax deferred sometimes in the form of long-term capital gains. If you invest in a stock, um, you know, a lot of times if they don't, if they pay dividends, they might be tax qualified, which gives you some tax advantages. As it grows, you don't pay any tax, but when you sell it, then you have a capital gain. Um, now, there's some ways to get around that, and there's not enough time to get into that. Um, you also have the tax-free bucket, and typically with that, you have the bucket of 
uh, putting money in and it's maybe after tax dollars. That's what your Roth contributions are to retirement accounts. But you also have cash value life insurance. And one of the big benefits of cash value life insurance is the money grows tax deferred. You put it in after tax, it grows tax deferred. And if you want to access the policy through withdrawals or loans, you're able to access that money tax-free and the loan gets paid off with a tax-free death benefit. So what I tell a lot of people, if you feel you need life insurance anyway, it's another way to diversify how taxes are paid. Because if you have everything in retirement accounts, and let's say you did all Roth IRAs, well, if they change the rules there, well, now all your eggs are in one bucket. They could change the rules with life insurance. So I also don't tell people do everything in life insurance. It's important to be diversified. And if you have a need for life insurance anyway, it's a great tool to have. Now, one of the um, couple side notes, like with a Roth IRA, to be able to get money out for at any time for any reason, completely tax-free, you have to be 59 and a half. With yeah. life insurance, if you do it right, you can get money out tax-free at any age. Yeah. Now, there's a lot more moving parts to this. So people need to be careful. They need to understand the products that they're buying. Yeah. Um, but it is something that I look at, um, you know, for, for permanent life insurance, whether or not you want the money invested in the market or you want ironclad guarantees. I mean, I've got a lot of people using, um, instead of having their money in a money market or savings account, earning something that starts with a 0. 0.0 something, <laughs> um, most life insurance contracts can pay a little bit better. And if you need the insurance anyway, it, it's a great tool. So I hope people listening to this understand there's a lot of options, yes. but most people decide on one option. You know, I'm going to put money into my retirement. They blindly put it in yeah. and the plan could change six times, and but they don't change what they're doing. And they're not even, a lot of cases, not even taking advantage of the match. Um, you know, same thing with life insurance. People are buying all this term insurance, which might be a good fit for them, right. but if they need the life insurance beyond that term. So for example, um, you know, when, 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 you know, the main, main reason I see for life insurance is to replace lost income. Mm -hmm. And if you got a husband and wife and they're in retirement, what income are, is at risk? They're retired, right? But what about social security? What happens when one spouse dies? They lose a check. And I see a lot of people say, well, it's only 800 or a thousand dollars a month. Well, they say right now, the safe withdrawal rate is somewhere between two and 3%. Yeah. That thousand dollars a month is like having 300,000 or 350,000 yeah. in investments generating income for you. Yeah. Jim, can you talk a little bit about the safe withdrawal rate? I've, I had uh, Dr. Wade Fowle on. We, I had Jason Sanger. They talked a little bit about, about that, but I would love to hear how you go through that. And and I just want to reiterate, we, I, I had Ted Benna, the guy that, is really noted for discovering the 401k and his whole thing was listen the 401k has helped so many people across the country that would have never saved money in the first place save and invest money so it's very we it, the, the 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 person that says this thing is bad or this thing is bad needs to take a step back and say what results are we getting and there's no such thing as a bad product um it's just i like the tool analogy make sure that you have a tool it does what you want to do. And so love that. How do you how do you explain the the safe withdrawal rate? And and then and then what I want to do is I want to talk about like as we forecast the future, what big disasters do you see coming up? Like it, it's just very clear to me that people have no money and it's I feel like something needs to change. And I don't know what that exactly is, but I just I think a lot of people are sensing it. You know what's funny, Caleb, is when you see a general survey of the most uh, disrespected provision, uh, professionals, you know, insurance agents, investment people are typically at the bottom of the list. They don't have a lot of respect. Yeah. Um, but when you survey an individual, who are the top people they trust, we're right at the top of the list. It's, huh. it's totally a misalignment. And I'm a big believer that everybody needs to be coached um, you know, not be sold, but coached and advised mm -hmm. and creating a strategy 
uh, based on their unique circumstances. I see too many people get lunchroom advice. And even though they might have the same job at the same company, their circumstances can be completely different. Yeah. So when I look at, um, you know, the 3% rule or whatever, you know, I've been a student of Dr. Fowl that you've had on as a guest. I've had him on as a guest on my program. I've met him personally several times. And there's others out there too, like Moshev um, Leski. Um, he's a professor at the University of Toronto. Um, there's a, another gentleman, Tom Hegna. He's been on PBS. I mean, there's all these different people and they talk about, you know, pretty much buy income, invest the difference. S have a stable cash flow that's not affected by the market or a strategy where you're not completely dependent on the market is how you get an optimal result. And the thing is, what's happening is they came out with a 4% rule back in 1991. And then that was, we've had hundreds of articles since then that says it won't work. Now, why won't it work? Well, back in 1991, electronic trading had just started. So those are trades made without any human decision other than ahead of time, we said, we're gonna trigger a trade at this level. You know, and, and in 1987, many people might remember October 19th, we had one of the biggest drops ever in the market and it all happened just in one day. Well, that was triggered because of electronic trading. It went into a free fall. So that had a big impact. So when they did that study, they went back over the history of the market. Most of it was with people making decisions, not an automatic uh, trade. So yeah. because of that, we have much more volatility than we ever had. And that matters when you have to start drawing out. In addition to that, we had much higher interest rates in 1991 and our historical interest rates, like if you look at um, the, the US government bonds, I mean, they've probably been four or 5% for almost forever. And now we've got interest rates where I heard the feds are, are at zero or close to zero. Well, when you have, that's usually your safe money. Well, if you can't earn any money on your safe money, I mean, think back when CDs were paying 14, 16, 18%. Yeah. Um, now it's been a long time since a CD uh, starts with a digit in front of the, uh, um, the decimal point. Um, so when your safe investments aren't earning anything, in order to get more of a withdrawal, you have to put more money in the riskier investments to get the return that you need. And that's a recipe for disaster. Right. So I like to separate the income from the assets uh, to create more safety. And then the third thing that's happening that, that really affects the ability of that to work. When they did that study, they said, what was the safe withdrawal rate to not run out of money at life expectancy? Well, the unfortunate thing about planning to life expectancy is none of us know our own life expectancy. We don't have a crystal ball. So yeah. it's an average. So just as many people live beyond that as die sooner. So the problem is, uh, one of the problems is people are living longer than they were in 1991. Yeah. So if you don't cooperate and die at 83 years old or 85 years old, yeah. well, it's, it's not a, you know, I, I tell a lot of people now, you know, you're 85, you run out of money, you won the lottery, you live longer than your neighbor did. Um, but here's the, here's the harsh reality. Walmart's not hiring greeters anymore. So what are you going to do when you run out of money? And who knows, McDonald's may not have anybody saying, would you like fries with that available? Yeah. I mean, they're replacing their, their counter people with robots. So yeah. what's an 85-year-old going to do when they run out of money? Yeah. Not a lot of options. So, you, you know, to think that you might be able to take out, I've seen people that want to take out 6 7 8% withdrawal rate. That's just not, yeah. that, 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 that could work if ever, the stars align perfectly for you. Yeah but the reality is it probably isn't. So, so if you focus on things that are uh, stable and, and you look at the taxes, if you can save 20%, 30%, 40% on your overall tax rate, and we could spend hours just on this, but if you can just save some money on taxes, you don't have to take as much risk yeah. to overcome that hurdle of the tax yeah. rate. That's, that's super key. And so just to summarize, um, vol more volatility, lower interest rates, living longer, 
is not a great combination for taking out more money. <laughs> so I think right. that, that was that was well that was well said. Um, do you do you have any like do you have any predictions of like next twenty years? What what we're gonna see? Because I just see this is what I see. There's a lot of people have not done the work and are very under. They're not ready. And you look at where our workforce is going, like you're right. If, when you're 75, 80 years old, you're not going to get, you're not going to get another job. And so it almost feels like the government needs to step in and, and do certain things. Do you see that happening? Like, I'm not, I'm just, I'm just stating what I'm seeing right now. Well, I, I see, you know, a possibility of things being pretty bleak. I also see things in a positive light. I see either one can happen. And really, it has a lot to do. Um, I think a lot of our problems with our government overspending is a re- I mean, it's a government of the people by the people. And I think back to the 90s when the market was just going gangbusters and, and it was easy to borrow money. People were buying houses way beyond their means. They were yeah. buying the SUVs fully loaded. They were taking the kids to Disney World and spending money like there was no tomorrow. And the problem with that is at some point we got to pay the piper and we're putting were people are putting it all on their credit cards. We reach that maximum credit card debt. Well, if we're spending money like that, we don't really care if the government's doing it too. We're all just living good. But when it's time to pay the piper, then things change. Now we did see in the decade of the two thousands, we've got a lot more younger people saving than young people were saving back then. So I do have hope we can learn from our mistakes. Yeah. And, and uh, one thing I do see, you know, when they created Social Security, you know, they picked the full retirement age at 65. Now many people retiring, it's at 67. Life expectancy when they invented Social Security was like 61, okay? So you weren't, all, you weren't supposed to live long enough to ever collect money. It was insurance for people that live beyond their life expectancy. Well, if they created Social Security today under the same premises, we wouldn't be collecting Social Security till we're in our 80s. Okay, so a lot has changed. So I think people need to, number one, they need to save more. And number two, they have to work longer. Um, And while nobody wants to hear that, you know, the benefit, you know, back when they invented Social Security, people wore out. I mean, it was hard labor working in the steel mills, working on the farm without the kind of equipment we have today. And and people would die sooner. Well, now we have the miracle of modern medicine and the miracles of of the 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 easier life and and our bodies and our minds can last longer today than they did before. So does it make sense to work another five, six, seven years? You know, it's, and maybe it's, it's not- so interesting that like retirement, yeah. like re- who invented retirement? Why is it 65? Like, why do we, I think this is also, if you're, if you're in your forties and you're not loving your work, really think, think through is, do you want to spend your precious time at something that you don't love? I mean, that's the other you- message is like, if you hate work, maybe you should find another job. Right. And you don't have to work 40 hours a week. It's whatever you can do to delay drawing your retirement puts you in a better position. Yeah. Um, so do you want to know the answer to why 65? Yes. So the story that I've heard is it came out like in the 1790s or early 1800s. Um, the New York Fire Department came out with a pension plan and they just picked 65. So Social Security, when they designed their program, they looked at the first pension plan in America and said, well, that seems like a good age. Now, I will tell you, when they came out with that pension plan, you know, they were using wooden ladders and horse-drawn buckets of of water, and there were no fire codes. And uh, I would guess that the life expectancy of a firefighter back then probably wasn't even the the life expectancy of the average population. It was probably 30 or 35. So the likelihood anybody would collect a pension was slim to none. So, but they stuck with the 65. So those pension plans worked because not many people collected on them. Well, now you got not only a lot more people collecting, they're collecting for a lot longer. Yeah. Jim, I could talk to you for 
many more hours and we have had many lively conversations. Um, I, I end all my podcasts with a legacy question and the question goes like this, if this is your last day on earth and you were with the people that you love the most, what would you share with them in that last conversation through all the things that you've learned? So that's a tough question without thinking about it, Caleb. Um, you know, the, the, the biggest thing is do um, what keeps you happy and what keeps you happy the most is when you give the most. Yeah. I love that. And, and the reason I, I surprise people with that question is I think the way that we answer that without putting a lot of thought really shares a ton about who we are. And that uh, your answer is very much the reason why you're doing all the amazing things that you're doing by the podcast, by helping other advisors really um, become successful. So how can people learn more about what you're doing? Is there any final thoughts that you have? How can they get connected? Because I want to I wanna help highlight all the amazing things that you're doing in the business. Well, if they want to, um, the biggest thing is I, I put out this education material that's that's distributed by financial professionals throughout the country. You know, I do, I do my real wealth program, but it's for the general public. So if you want to get subscribed to our program and listen to some of our programs, go to realwealth.com. Um, you can call the office if you have problems finding it, 262-626-2590, and a member of my team will get you hooked up with that program. Cool, cool. Jim, any, any final thoughts? No, keep the faith, brother. <laughs> okay. I appreciate I, I'll tell you what, you definitely inspire me. Um, you're one of the few people that have given me hope. I used to think all the kids in the world were, were lazy and want to play their video games and didn't want to work. And, you know, you, you've helped open my mind. And I'm seeing a lot of people like that. I've got a couple of folks, you know, maybe, maybe not quite as young as you, but uh, in that same age group or generation that are hard workers. And I'm very impressed. And that gives me a lot of hope. That, that means a ton coming from you. I, I appreciate the work that you're doing, and thank you so much for being on the show. And, and I would say one of the big takeaways is look, look at the future, look at, look at some of the other factors going on, and really start being strategic and being efficient with your money today. And, and you talked about coaching and that being really important. And talk about having a third party who's not emotional that understands how everything it works. And I think that could, that could literally be a game changer. And so many people don't have any of that. They put their head in the sand. And uh, I think our country is going to pay big time for that. So thank you. I'll say, I'll say one last thing, Caleb, as you were saying that, it's planning, not planned. Things change. You have to have a direction that you're going. You make adjustments as you go along. Yeah. And uh, too many people get the one answer and they think that's the answer. And things change around them and they never change. And that's, that's just a huge mistake. Get advice, work with a team, make sure you're working with people that care about you and are competent. And you'll know that pretty quickly. Yeah. Thanks, Jim. All right. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review and share this with the people that you know and love.